You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Okay, so uh, I mentioned to this year, uh, a week and a half ago, we had uh, the Paiso suffered a tremendous loss. Adam Gadol Admaod, a true Chadbidara, but not a green black, that child was a common Muvaka by Moshe Feinstein. So I didn't have, I, can say, I can't say I had a close case with him, not I saw him a few times, but he was always a household name. My father was a his one by Moshe. We heard stories about him, not that we knew who he was. I have a little bit of with some of the children. I was, of course, a guy, I was Menachem and I wanted the Olam to hear a little bit about this person. Um, I, I would just tell you the following, and I'm, of course, going to turn over the floor to Ram Kabbalevitz, who I have a Sachus with for many years. Um, one, everyone's going to have their own take on Rav Nata, but one thing which I think is unique is that, uh, on the one hand, Rav Nata was a tremendous Lamba. Uh, he learned by Gidolim of the highest caliber. He was a Talmud of Dava Leibovitz, who was an actor with a Chavitz Chaim. He learned um, with a special elite Kairo in Boston that was led by Rabbi Yasser by a very own Salvechik, before he came here as Rabbi Siva. Rabbi Michael Feinstein was also heavily involved with that. He went by Rabbi Michael Feinstein. Um, he has a small safer on Chumis. This is the first edition, but one is a little bit more uh, expanded. Kiveach Sadeh, named Nata means the plant, title of the safer, Kiveach Sadeh. This is not something you could say over, over after the tone. It's not something you could say over as a very heavy lumbus, a lot of quoting of the rug, brisker lumbus, cuts it. This came hand in hand with an incredible ability to be hands on and practical halacha. Rabnata was known to be, uh, he was literally itinerant halachist. He was traveled all over America. Much of the South, which didn't have Rabbanim who knew how to Misadagitin, Misadagitin, if that was necessary, Mikvos, Erevin, he must have done tens of thousands of Gitin, people, women who would not be able to remarry halachically without having received the proper get. The stories and the legends abound about how he would find his way to particular towns and arrange to have a, a, the Sidor Haget, which he didn't need any kind of a madrich in order to do was all in his head, and he was able to get practical halacha, not just for himself, but to Rabbanim, who would consult with him. And that unique blend is not what you find typically. You have people who are grosser Rabbanim, solidly entrenched in brisk Rabbanim, but talk about halacha it's far. You have a lot of huge Tamil Chachamim who can pass in halacha, who are well-versed in halacha, but brisk Rabbanim is not their thing. This is something unique that he had, and he remained that way his entire life. Rabbi Avram Kivalevich was a chabrus, a little chabrusist before I came here to YU, before I even knew what YU was. We were, uh, <laughs> learning together in Beis Yosef in the, uh, over 30 years ago, in Sephardic, in uh, Brooklyn. We, we, we only knew it as YU. We didn't know it as Yeshivas Rebutzchok. <laughs> by us, by us, YU, YU. But Rabbi Salvechik was a yeshidar. That was how we knew. Uh, it was a transition for me, obviously, but Baruch Hashem, we've kept up a kesher. Rabbi Kivalevich is a tremendous Tamil Chacham, and he's an honor at the same time, so I don't want to say too much. Uh, he go, has, ahead, uh, go ahead, go ahead, go more. 
Anyway, <laughs> one of his many claims to fame is that he uh, literally was a Ben Bias of Amnata. He was born and bred in Memphis. His entire family, extended family, comes from Memphis. And he can share a very personal account of his relationship with Amnata. Obviously, a half an hour or so is not going to really do justice in the fullest way. But this I is think his message least... for me to keep it short. <laughs> <laughs> he, by the way, has a wonderful sense of humor. We were a good team. <laughs> anyway, without further ado, uh, the floor is yours. And, uh, all right. Whatever you can well, get over. Let's talk about floor. I, first of all, again, I'm so uh, impressed, really, Rabbi Mochonen, to, to see such a, a beautiful building and a beautiful room and Talmidim Makshivim. I just want to say to all of you that you are, all of you, very mevurach to be mistaifiv by the Madura Hamima Atahira, the Mayana Mizgaber that is Mochonen Adler. Okay, so you continue. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but this is, you have a special source to be a Talmud by, by him. And, um, you know, even if it was only the Svarim, but obviously you have the Masavamatam and the Ava and the Vasir, the Torah Lishma. Yeah, I, I never, like I said, I can't say that I, I, I can't say that I'm surprised, but I am so despoiled because um, my Chavrusa shop with, with your Rebbe was, was, was exciting and interesting and gishmak and with an Aniva Shane Kamoyu. Um, he always made me feel like I had, hey, what do you have to say first? And I can see that he also brings that out by his, by his Talmidim. You are, again, the yeshiva years are extremely important. Rav Nota would always speak about the significance of the time that he spent in, in uh, Chofetz Chaim, yeshivas in, in Eretz Yisrael. Baruch Hashem, like Rav Nota, you Arzocha to have a Rebbe that you could turn to way beyond these years. Uh, Rav Nata spent only four years by Ramosha, but um, Ramosha was his touchstone for his whole life. I think that in the same way, uh, you that are Arzocha to be part of the Yeshiva, to have Rav Ochonen as your Rebbe, I know that you'll be able to, to bank on Rav Ochonen way beyond what he's been teaching you here. Uh, as a really as a, as a Rebbe and a Madre, so Ashrecha that you're here. I have to tell you that Rav Nota um, spoke, and I'll tell you a little bit, uh, uh, Seifel Talmud Chacham, the author of the classic Margolia Sayom, which of course, uh, as Rabbi Khanan will tell you, is you can't learn Sanhedrin without it. Um, by the way, I have heard that uh, it's because he had Rabbi Yosef Engel's notes. There is a there is a shmuah that he had Rabbi Yosef Engel's notes, and, but what he expanded in that sefer is incredible. The author of the Chuvas Nefesh the on Shulchan Aruch Nefesh Chai, not Chuvas, but Agos on the Shulchan Aruch are incredibly, and all his other svarim, <laughs> it's incredible what he came out with the Chuvas Menashamayim. But he was a, a chayvev of Rav Kook Zechat Tzadik the Kodesh Lubrocha. But in, 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 in a time that others had sometimes said. Cook is who is he? Is he really is? So they asked the proven Margolis once. They asked him, <coughs> "Why do you consider Rav Cook a godel? Why do you consider a godel?" So Rumer Golis said, "Look, do I know what a godel is? Godel, I don't know, but I can tell you, katnas of by him. One thing I can tell you was I never saw small mindedness. I never saw small things. Everything that he did was." On an elevated position. It was done from a from a mindset 
and done with a, a feel for the big picture. I never saw Katniss by him. Borrowing what Rav Ruben Margolis had said, and um, I will say about Rav Nota, that although I can't be made uh, and, and tell you that he was a godel, I can tell you that my relationship with him was mostly in the Dvorim Ketani. Unlike others here and perhaps all over the country, who can consider themselves Talmidim and Torah, the Chabura that he, at the end of his life, was Zohar to, to lead, um, who actually learned from him and share Chloe every week and, 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 and Gemara Shurim and learning with him consistently, I did not have that relationship with him. I was really connected to him in Dvorim Ketani. Dvorim of a person as a young person who was growing up running around the house uh, with his children. And they, of course, were in our house. We were all like one little, like, I guess in your mind, in the Northeast, you'd say like a little bungalow colony. The, the period of in Memphis, Tennessee, the three three blocks away from each other. I was two blocks away and uh, we had our house. And then on the next block, we had Rabbi Freyam Greenblatt, Rabbi Nota's nephew and his children. And then the next block was Rabbi Nota and his children. But those blocks were compressed into like one big building. And that was, we could, have, we could wake up either in our house, in Rabbi Freyam Greenblatt's house, in Rabbi Nota's house, and the opposite was true. These, these homes were all meshed into one. So I saw Rav Nota as a katan, and I saw Rav Nota also in ways of Tvarim Ketanim. I'll tell you what I mean in that way. I was um, Rav Nota and uh, and my father, Olavashalom, were business partners. People have always asked, how, did, how was Rav Nota able to travel the length and breadth of the country? Some people think that, and I talked to Rabbi about this, that, that he would get money, that this was a way that through the Gitin, he would be able to uh, be mafarnis himself. That was really not the case at all. Although sometimes stipends were given uh, from the shuls to, and, and, and would somehow cover uh, some of the expense, it never covered even close to what Rav Nota, uh, actually did in order to go bring Gitin for people. Uh, it was mentioned at the Leviah, how he actually bought himself tickets along with the Adem when they couldn't, when there was a person who didn't want to give a get, that he actually, uh, Rav Heidemann mentioned it, that and it was a Dover Mephorsim, that he would spend incredible amounts in order to zero in from his own cheshpen to find people. It was not a money-making uh, deal for him. So how did how was Rav Nata able to keep his home? How, he was, how was he able to confront his family? How was he able to put food on the table? People don't understand how. He was never the Rav he wasn't getting a salary from when I was there. When he came to Memphis, he did a little bit of a small one, but he was not the official rabbi of the city. He didn't have a shul. Uh, and yet he was being put for Klal Yisrael. And it's not like people were, there was a special get fund that people were giving. The reason why he was able to do this was because he had not a huge amount, but he had business interests. My father, Ola Shalom, and Rav Nota actually formed a corporation. It's called GKS. You can look it up maybe somewhere on Google and you'll see. It's the Greenblatt Kivalevich and another person that my father wanted to help out uh, to bring in because he could speak English better and he had a law degree. GKS. So you can take a look. The Greenblatt Kivalevich and Sklan Corporation. That was a corporation that was formed to be able to provide Ravnota and my, 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 my father with some Parnosa. Um, I, I, I'm going to tell you a little bit of how that when my father passed away or was not really strong enough 
I became Rav Nathan's Barman. So there is a very, there's, there are many people there throughout this country will say, I'm a Talmud Rav Nathan. But I'm one of the maybe five or six people in the world that could say, I was Rav Nathan's partner. I was Rav Nathan's business partner. That's what I can tell you. And you could say, well, business, it's, it's not Torah. But I, as Ruben Margolis said, I always saw Godless there. I saw Godless in those Devarim, which many people will say, yeah, you have to make some money, you have to decide how to do something. With Rav Nota, I always saw Godless. And that was his diktuk in, 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 in Shmiras HaMitzvahs about dealing in business, his honesty, and also Pruta Kemeya. Every single cent, Rav Nota, when I would um, when I would call him, and we would, you know, we would talk about uh, what needed to be done. Uh, Rav Nota would have it to the penny, exactly what it was. He said, he's going to go get it exactly and tell me what the measure was. In fact, Rav Nota decided after, um, uh, when we were in business and we, we had rents that were coming in, Rav Nota would send me, uh, Rav Nota would deposit my part of the rent into my account. Rav Nota would go himself, he would go to the, uh, to the bank, and afterwards, he, he would send me a postcard every single month with the exact amount, the chovet or whatever. And then, and then he would write there, I should have kept those postcards, right? I, I, right? And I said, I said, Rav Nota, you know, we'll, 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 you know, I'll pay for the stamps. No, no, no. Rav Nota, that was his pay. He wanted to have the chesh richtig. Every time during tax season, he would call me up and he would give me the records exactly. He said, and he would come out even more than that, not just the diktuk and every cent, but also there were times when I was uh, in yeshiva. <laughs> it's not so easy to be to live a life where you're mustered, where you try to get, be a rebbe or try to get a shteller, you try to have this, to be in koyul. There were many times that it was difficult for me to, to be able to really survive. Rav Nota would often say, look, I will advance you on the money, and we'll take it out of the rent. Rav Nota consistently did that. There were times when a big expense occurred that we weren't expecting. The phone number that I had was his number. Right? I called him right away. It was never a, a question. What he would do is, in other words, the monies, whatever would come in, he would take money out of his own personal account and then deduct it from things that were later, and he had it out to the pruta. There was one time I remember when... Um, because of some mix-up, I bounced a huge check, and the contractor was after me. And I was—it wasn't my fault because something had happened. The number that I called at that moment was Ravnota, and Ravnota said right away, "All right, I'm going to put money into your account. You'll be able to write a check tonight." He says, and he said, "I can't do it right now, but by in a couple of hours, the money will be in your account." Godless, the cops. Godless becomes. Even I would say, um, when I I began my sort of uh, post Bacher career in Mexico, you know, I was a uh, I was a rebbe in yeshiva in Mexico, and because of issues I had with flying at the time, uh, maybe some of you have issues as well with your ears. Sometimes uh, I had very very difficult issues. Now it's gotten a little bit better, so I I, I was bakered to drive down to Mexico. Um, so, uh, in those days, uh, in those days, there was something called a drive away. Maybe you've heard about that, the drive away. 
a driveway is somebody wants their car in a different place and they give you the car with a tank of gas and then you drive the car. I actually went to my wedding that way too. We went actually cross country from New York all the way to Los Gatos, California. And I took a plane up to Seattle and then to Vancouver where, my, where I got married. But the point is, is that everybody was doing this. Ask your parents, they'll tell you. Everybody was taking driveaways. So I was able to get a driveaway. I needed to get to Mexico City from Memphis, Tennessee. I took a driveaway from Memphis to Arlington, Texas. Now, when I got to Arlington, I wasn't sure how am I getting down to Mexico? I had a job waiting for me. I need to get to Mexico. How am I getting there? I knew that there's some way this public transportation, but I had to deliver the car first, and I had my stuff at the at the at the um, at the um, downtown bus station in Dallas. After I got the car, and they drove me back to the bus station, I picked up the phone. I called Ravnota. Ravnota took out because he was always traveling. I knew Ravnota would know what to do. So Ravnota took out. He says, wait a second. He went and got the, he had on a, a piece of paper, he says, Avramo, he said, there's a very, he says, a very new uh, airline. Very good. It's, it's called Southwest Airlines. It's a very good airline. And then he said, I'm going to tell you exactly what to do. You got to go to Love Field. So I had to go to Love Field, not to Dulles. There's two airports in Dallas. There's Love Field. And there is the, there is the Dulles Gates of Love Field. And there you're going to get, uh, you're going to go there. And there you're going to be able to get the plane. He says, well, I'm it. you're going to have to stop, you can stop in Houston. In Houston, you're going to be able to change planes. I'll tell you what the number is. He told me exactly. He says, you'll have to wait an hour until you get the plane. You'll see if you work something while you're waiting. And you'll be able to get that plane. And then I said, well, no, I have to get to, to, to Matamoros. He said, Brownsville. He says, there it's called Harlingen. You'll be able to get to Harlingen, Texas, over there. So then you'll get the plane. That's where you get off. That's where you're going to be able to get to Mexico. Godless Bacatis. In other words, Bravnota was there for me in a way that, what? Like, you know, like uh, today, you'll Google it, the GPS. Bravnota was there because I knew he would have the AIDSA and I knew he'd be there. You know, Rabbi Hanan was at the uh, Yeshiva, your Rebbe was at the Levaya. And um, it's interesting. It was outside. I came two hours early because I knew that. uh, I'm sorry. I guess guess it's not as Hiddish. We know that uh, Kayanim have the Kayachayro. We know that that they have uh, (laughs) (laughs) Sari Atayro. You know, we we're only the ones that we're the ones that try to be shaved lately. You have it in the genes. So um, the point though is is that they never um, uh, um, no one even made a mention exactly that it was Rishchidish, and generally we're not Maspen Rishchidish, and yet it wasn't just people came and said or uh, no one even had a havamina to explain why by Rav Nota Tzvi Ben Rav Yitzchok Perhaps in the Rocha. Why? Why would being maspid? They're being maspid him on, 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 on a Rosh Usually, there's at least some sort of lip service paid, right? Many of you, if you've been to Levi's, I hope you haven't been to too many. But if you've been and it's on a day where we're not maspid him, generally because the place can say, 
for a number of reasons, because the the, the, the Avelim are going to feel the Tsar unless they hear something. Uh, it's a type of thing where it's a COVID to, to the Niftarim and because of because of a worry of COVID Abrios, and because it's anyway, COVID Abrios is bigger, it's Doyche Yisurim. Some reason we're matter, and, and we say it's not really a has, but none of that was said at all. It was full throttle, <laughs> and I was wondering. Nobody said anything. Now the truth is, is that if we say that if it's the device that, as we know, there are exceptions to this halacha where it is chacham shemais befonav, and it's a, if especially if it's ain't from the agado. No one had to say that because they realized it. Even even, and I don't know, Rebbe Chanan, if they bring. Uh, the niftarim into MTJ as a as a rogil, but we know that's also discussed in the poskim as well. The idea of bringing the aron into the base medrash, famous chuvas malam you know, where he mentions the hanhoga that the, that was that the chayodam, the nishmasana mentions about the bolna goyim that it was unique at some time to bring the niftar, and the, the, the malam Hoyle says that they that it was the same thing they brought Rabbi Israel Hildesheimer into the uh, into the uh, into the Yeshiva, they brought Rav they brought Rav into the Yeshiva's Dover Poshet. They were Masmin, it was Dover Poshet. But I was thinking that that Rav himself might have had a different answer as to why the Hespid was done as a Dover Poshet. I think the first thing Rav would have said was, <laughs> he says, Mirkedvus is a Hespid. He says, Amu, if you look in Hespid and Chazal, a Hespid. Amu, you look in a Hespin Chazal, a Hespin was really Miloshin. What have we lost? There was Tsar, there was, there was people crying, there was Makainanois, there were women that were crying, there was, there was the instruments that would bring out the Khalil, that would bring out the ultimate pain for people. Um, we don't have that in our Hespin. It's true, sometimes a person dies young and the, and the children are Maspid, right? And it's definitely, uh, it's definitely in a way, it causes uh, tsar, yeah, yeah. But the um, we don't have that. That's the first thing Rav Nosson would say. We don't have that sort of pain anymore. It's all gemach, right? People are there. They're just looking at their clocks. They're checking their phones. They're about to. They're, yeah, what's going on? The idea of being involved in a complete tragic experience and and and, and changing and, and as we know, why you're not masped even shloshim yayim with me. Yontif is because it's going to stay with you. That Sarah, that Hespid is going to somehow infect you. It's going to be so dramatic and tragic that it's even going to stay with you during the Yontif. That's part of the reason why there's a Zatzad. Yontif would say, yeah, we don't do that. We don't have that. We don't have that emotional feeling and we don't do it during the Hespid. Even if the person is, you know, lifts up his voice and cries, it doesn't do the same thing. And that's what Rav Nota would say first. But the second thing is a Chiddush that Rav Nota said that it's been printed up and it's based on Rav Nota's typical uh, Havana uh, in places, just like the Rav, in places where you wouldn't think. And of course, the um, the uh, the Payet, the Kinna, which is really a Payet, although it's a Kinna, uh, it, 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 it's a poetic construction, even though it's written to, to elicit pain, is something that, of course, we say in Tishapov, Arze Lavonai. And as one of the Maspidim said during this week, it's interesting, Arze Lavonai and Asher Nota, um, the Pasuk says in Tilim, Rav Noto was definitely doubled to the Arzei Levonai. But in that, uh, and, and, and constantly gave it over to us in, in the best incredible way. If you look in that Pai in, in the Kinnah, in Tishabov, 
I'll read you a couple of lines from it, and I'll tell you Rav Nota's chiddush in it. Adire 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 Taira Ugemara. The Arze Lavonoin are Adire Taira Balitrisen Mishnah Gemara. We know the Balitrisen, and I'm going to speed up a little bit. Balitrisen, uh, we know the Gemara says in Brochis, the Balitrisen are the people when they come in, they're the Machriim. Right? We wait for the Balitrisen. Right? So if there's something going on, if there's an issue that nobody can decide, wait for the Balitrisen to show up. Ravnota was obviously one of those uh, in terms of being the Machriim where no one else could be Machriim. The Mishnah of Gemara. Of course, Rav Nota's Havana, not only in Gemara, like the seven Masechtas that they do during uh, the yeshiva cycle, but in all Mishnayas and every, every Masechta and Shas. Giburei Koyach Amoleho Betahara. That was Taka Amoleho Betahara. You saw Rav Nota, despite running away, running around and all over the world and the business issues that he had. But when he sat to learn, I would come into his, into his study and you can see by himself as a yochid, the tahara of his learning, the love for the svarim that he was involved in, the research, the, the focus, tahara mamish. When it talked about the, uh, the Arze Lavonon, when it said Nebuch, when they died, the truth is there aren't, there aren't people with gvura like Rav Nata. It's been gone. In other words, when their blood is, 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 has been spilled, Gavura has, has disappeared. Rav Nota made the following diuk as the, in, in that, in that kina. This I'll leave you with. We know that the Asara Ruge Malchus, the way it was described, whether it's historically true or not, doesn't really make a difference if they were actually, they were all killed at the same time. But the Balha Kina wants to bring it out for the ultimate effect. But it says there that Rav Shimon Gamliel and Rishmol Koyim Godol, each one was vying for being killed first. It turned out the, 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 the girl came on Rishmol Megamliel. So Rishmol Megamliel's head was severed. The, uh, the, the Kinna says that Rabbi Shmol, not al Rishai, the Nosnoi al Akuvaisov Menayratayv, that Rabbi Shmol Koyim Godol took the head that was just severed. From Rav Shimon Gamliel, put it on his knees. This menorah ahira. Some eno al enov. Upiv al piv ba'ava gemura. He put his eyes on the severed head of the eyes of Shimon Gamliel and his mouth on that mouth with complete and total love. For onav Omar sevs per hamiskaber b'toyra. So Rav Nota said that it isn't just a dramatic image of the Koyin Godel holding the head of a dead person. But what it is, that he was going to do something before he knew he was going to die. He was going to be maspid from Shemem and Gamliel. With the other Zikainim there, he was going to give that hespid. But you can't just stop, come and say, I'm going to give a hespid because I work together with this person. I'm the Koyen Godel, he's the Nasi. So we knew each other. We had a Vaidapulu Shutefes. We spoke in learning. That's not enough to give a Hespid. Even in that difficult moment, you have to actually go into the mind and the ideas of the person who's passed away. 
it isn't, it isn't just placing the eyes there. It's mentally understanding how that person looked at the world. A hesped, to stop say a, a vart, to take out a canned idea and recycle it because it seems to fit in, to talk about some zikaron that you had, just hastish kan hesped, Rav Melta said. To be masped, especially in Odom Godo, you have to look at the world the way he looked at it. You have to realize what we're missing. We're missing his cook. We're missing his greatness. We're missing the way he learned and the way he understood things. And for a couple of moments, you have to be able to download, to, to be able to distill within yourself the way that person saw the belt. You have to have familiarity, of course, with the way he learned. But you have to actually, in a way, go into almost a trance where you can actually relate back to that person. Not only the way he looked at things, but the way he articulated things. And also, when it comes out, it has to come out ba'ava gemura. It can't just be, well, they're paying me to do this. I'm going to talk about him. You have to actually have that feel, which Rav Nota, of course, had for the G'dayla Yisrael. And and then he said, And as that, as your Rebbe told you, the Svarim that are there, and hopefully which will still soon be printed, will be able to actually see that his Gabris and Torah that Rav Nota had. And that is something that, therefore, all of everything everyone is saying, including what I just did for the last half hour, really can't really qualify in Rav Nota's definition of what a Hespit is. That you have to be Zoha. And Mir Hashem, through the Spashtas of his Svarim and through after his Ptira, the reinvolvement in his mind, his eyes, and his mouth will be able to perhaps understand what that Pe Amasgabra Batari was. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.